0: Red Bull called me up and was like, Hey, can you build an all dirt loop? And I'm like, uh, maybe like, I don't know. And that was like, that was literally our conversation. And you're like, well, yeah, make it happen. I'm like, all right, I'll, I'll see what I can do.
1: Welcome to Trail Effect. I'm your host, Josh Blum. Trail Effect is a show that dives into the stories behind trails, the communities that embrace trails, and the people who rely on trails as a way of life. The goal of this show is to turn the stories you will hear from our guests into useful knowledge that can be applied to your community while providing some entertaining and inspirational content. Guests on Trail Effect include trail builders, board members, community leaders, volunteers, and regular people who really enjoy trails. Episode 117 features Dave King, aka Dirt Sculpt Dave, out of Pennsylvania. Dave has done so much in the world of dirt, especially in the world of dirt jumping, building out competition venues, and events. He's worked for X Games, due to a Red Bull, and a bunch of other stuff. And now he's in the trail building world as his company, Dirt Sculpt LLC, is a PTBA member company, which also includes building out gravity bike parks and paved pump tracks. Cooley Creative is the sponsor for this episode. They design and custom build websites as well as help companies with branding, photography, and e-commerce. Cooley Creative was started in Wisconsin, but is now based out of Bend, Oregon. Jared from Cooley Creative is a friend of mine. We've traveled together on multiple mountain bike trips and sometimes he sends it. For more information about Cooley Creative, head over to dudejustsendit.com. www.dudejustsendit.com will get you to the Cooley Creative website, so check it out. This podcast is supported by Trail One Components. The team at Trail One is dedicated to making amazing mountain bike goods and supporting the trails we all love. For each product sold, a dollar is donated to trail networks around the world. Check out Trail One Components at ww.trail1.bike or hit the link in the show notes. I'd like to take a moment to thank all of the listeners and guests who have taken the time to share the Trail Fact episodes on their social media accounts such as Facebook, Instagram and LinkedIn, along with tagging Trail Fact in their posts. This has helped a lot more listeners find the Trail Effect podcast. Please keep up all of the sharing, commenting and tagging of Trail Fact. I'd also like to thank all the listeners who have signed up to be supporters of Trail Fact through Patreon. These actions mean a lot to me. Now on to the Trail Effect with Dirt Sculpt Dave.
0: Yeah, let's do the damn thing. (laughs)
1: Here we are today on Trail Effect. I have Dirt Sculpt Dave, who was actually put on my radar by one of his employees, Josh McLeod. And Josh had just sent me a message and he's like, hey, you got to get Dirt Sculpt Dave on. And I'm like, I don't know who Dirt Sculpt Dave is. And then I looked him up and I'm like, holy shit, how do I not know who Dirt Sculpt (laughs) Dave is? (laughs) Because the dude's legendary, you know, and the reality is he has a deep portfolio on the PTBA's website, which his company is Dirt Sculpt LLC, and he's also a PTBA member, but he's done stuff way beyond anything PTBA, which is you know, pretty incredible. But it, on there, for his application to become a PTBA member, he's got 22 pump tracks built, paved and dirt, which is probably higher now, 10 full bike parks, including trail construction, 19 international competitions, which we'll get into that because that that's literally all over the world with, between Red Bull and X Games. But the one thing, and I know you know this is coming because we already talked about this ahead of time. The one thing that really grabbed my attention more than anything was the fact that you were on the 2011 Red Bull Dreamline in Wabasha, Minnesota at Coffee Mill Ski Area, which no one mm-hmm. listening to this besides the people that live near where I live are going to know anything about where that is or what that yep. is, unless they maybe watched the movie Grumpy Old Men in the mid-90s.
0: Yeah. And, and, and ironically, like I think some of it was filmed there, but I think the rest was filmed in St. Paul.
1: <laughs> yeah and they referenced lacrosse wisconsin which is where i live is going to like the radisson for like a a wedding
0: <laughs> that's funny i mean i haven't seen that movie in years so i don't really remember it but
1: i just remember yeah. the old guy that like drank his dinner mm-hmm.
0: yeah he loved it <laughs> well thanks for the intro
1: <laughs> let's talk about what that what that dreamline was because that probably caught a lot of people in the region off guard yeah why wabasha so... and what'd you think of living there for a month
0: Well, I lived in this, uh, man, what was the name of that hotel? It was called the American something. It was like, right. It was like, it was literally a mile from, like, yeah, we just rode our bikes over, uh, most of the time, but, uh, yeah, it was okay. I mean, super small town. Like, you know, we, we, we became locals in like 30 seconds. Like people were just like, we'd walk in to get lunch and be like, you guys ain't from here. Huh? I'm like, what? Like, like, I don't know. You don't usually get that, that quick. You know, so that, that part of it was weird. And like just getting supplies and stuff was like, you know, it was a little tough cause we were, you know, I think 80 miles from Minneapolis and yeah, there, yeah, we were out in the middle of nowhere, but it was an interesting place. Definitely cool. Yeah. So this, uh, a buddy of mine, Adam Aloise, uh, he has his build company called the dirt factory and he and Anthony Neapolitan, like, I guess they, well, Anthony at the time was riding for Red Bull and like the, uh, he, even though he lived in Pennsylvania at the time, his rep was still a mid, uh, Midwest rep for Red Bull. So they chose to do the event there. I'm not sure why they chose that ski resort. I don't really know the ins and outs of why the event happened right there, but they basically, Adam just called me and was like, Hey, like you think you're your crew would join our crew and like, you know, build this, like pretty much like nothing matters Build whatever you want, whatever you guys can come up with event. And I'm like, well, yeah, that's exactly, that's like my thing. You know, like I love the creative freedom because, you know, when you go out there and you just start looking at, you know, the terrain and stuff, you're, you start to envision that course. And yeah, that's pretty much what happened there was just a bunch of equipment, no real time restraint. I mean, we were there for like a month and then like, we came back in the fall to, like, do the event, like, revamp it for the event. But, yeah, they did some, like, weird uh, night shoots where they had, like, fires burning. And also, I mean, there's, like, YouTube videos of it. They did, like, a, it was a, I think it was supposed to be just, like, meant for Anthony to, like, just do some practice runs and, like, shoot some edits. But then they decided to just make a whole event out of it because it was just such a big course that they couldn't just waste it, I guess.
1: Yeah, and- I'll link the YouTube video because I actually looked those up this week. I'll link that into the show mm-hmm. notes. But it, you know, it looked like it was a rider judged event, which is pretty rad.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It was like, it was closed to the public. So it was like just riders and their friends. So it was super small. Like, you know, I mean, maybe there was 50 people at the whole thing. And that might have been including riders. Maybe a little bit more than that. But yeah, it was full blown. Just, yeah. It was, it was one of the, it was a one of a kind event. And yeah, it was, and it worked out great there because the, the dirt was good. Uh, we had a little bit of water, like groundwater issue where it would like leak, but we, we, you know, we took care of that, but, uh, yeah, otherwise, yeah. I mean, the terrain was awesome and it was just, it was perfect for the, for what we were doing.
1: Yeah. Welcome to the, uh, driftless area where we have seeps all over the place because of our topography.
0: Yeah. The, the ski resort powder Ridge we work at has, uh, springs that form all the time too. Now I'm definitely used to that, but. Yeah, it was surprisingly weird there. Like, it doesn't like the grade wasn't even that steep in spots, and then it would just like you know you'd have everything dug and laid out, and then all of a sudden you'd you'd go walk on it, and it would just be like full sponge. Like we were mixing concrete in. What's that? Just like a waterbed. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, full mattress. I mean, it was weird that it had actually happened on a landing that was like built above ground, which I don't know how that happened, but <laughs> yeah. There, <laughs> That was probably the that was probably the hardest part was getting it dry in spots but but otherwise it uh yeah it was a really cool cool event we like kind of for BMX we like I did an event before that for this movie called uh, Heroes of Dirt which a buddy of mine put out a, a couple years ago we did this like really small one-off event just for the movie in a city park in Allentown where I used to live and we kind of introduced the Shark Fin As like in a contest there, and then Adam's Adam helped us in that project and was like, "Yo, we need to do like we need to do that dream line." So we did two. We did one going left, one going right. But some of the stuff that went down on those shark fins, like like Brian Foster did a downside four forty out of it, which was like I don't even know if that's possible. He just turned down out of the turn and somehow like righted himself and got around. And then Dennis Anderson like aired out of turned up it like an alley oop and did a huge alley no-hander, tuck no-hander out of it, and uh, dude, I mean, that thing was like 25-foot gap, maybe more. I don't know. He was like so high in the air, just floating backwards, but yeah, and, and at the time, like, you know, we did elevation before that in Whistler, and put like nothing, like, it kind of was like, there wasn't really much else going on besides X Games. Gravity Games was like there, but then that went away, so like, that that was like perfect timing for the Dreamline uh happen.
1: Yeah, and well, you you brought it up. I was going to bring it up later on in the show because I caught this when I was doing a little bit of research as well. But this this uh, Heroes of Dirt movie, like that's a movie that was made for the big screen. That's not just like VHS <laughs> yeah, tape or uh, DVD. Yeah, it was. Uh,
0: it was it was a funny like. So I grew up with with Eric. We met when we were like twelve or thirteen at the at the town pool in the, the town of Katasakwa, which is I grew up next to that town. and That's actually where our BMX trails are, is in Caddy um but yeah so we've known each other forever and eric went to school for film and then he had like a company that just did commercials and just like corporate stuff but he always wanted to make a bmx movie like you know we all grew up with rad and bmx bandits and stuff and he was like dude i'm doing this and i'm like all right so i kind of helped him a little bit with the script and kind of got like riders involved and kind of paved the way in the bmx side of it for him and you know he hadn't rode in a long time but i mean he like dabbled but you know he wasn't like hardcore like we were when he made the movie but uh yeah it was it was cool to like be a part of like an actual bmx movie i mean it's a little it's a it's got a little wacky wackiness to it but uh it was definitely a fun project for sure i mean that that contest was cool the city just said you know like yeah you can like that was like a city park that they kind of like left for dead there wasn't much going on It was like a boat launch along the river i just got a brush hog and like mowed down 12 foot bamboo where that course was and then Within two weeks, we had like a massive dirt jump contest in downtown Allentown, like pretty funny, but, it, and, it, and we had like 50 entries, like a lot of people showed up for it.
1: And that movie is like, you can go find it on like Amazon prime. Yeah. A bunch of different places. It's yeah, yeah. out there.
0: Yeah. I, I've actually seen it in the theater twice and, uh, yeah, you can get it. Yeah. You can just order it on Amazon. It's kind of funny that it's, it, it, it didn't get a, it didn't do as well as he, as he hoped, but. I feel like it's one of those movies that will like somehow catch on at one point and then it'll like do really well. It's kind of like rad.
1: Yeah. I mean, it is definitely like a modern day cult classic type of movie. Sure. You know, cause I think from yeah. what I could tell, it was released in 2015 to the masses, but you must've built that in what? 2010. I think it was 11? 12. Yeah.
0: Maybe, yeah, maybe it was 11 actually. It was a long time ago. It We definitely, it was like a five year process of, cause he, he filmed it and then like, he had to keep working on his like real, like actual business too. And like, so just editing and just all that, you know, it just took, it just took a long time.
1: Let's go back in time. Cause when we talked on the phone prior to this, you brought up some stuff that w- I found really interesting. So we're going to, we're going to jump back to 2005. I think it was, was the okay. year you, you pulled out and you specifically talked about being at X Games, building at X Games, and then going from X Games straight up to Whistler.
0: Yeah. Like, and this crazy. is like
1: right <laughs> when Whistler Bike Park was kind of becoming a thing and kind of on the leading edge of. I guess purpose-built bike-specific, bike-optimized trails, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, as far like basically, I was clueless to mountain biking when I rolled up. I mean, I definitely knew mountain biking like in PA, where dudes were just like, you know, doing the heart attack climbs. You know, like even where I moved to now, Jim Thorpe is like, apparently in the like early mid mid to early '90s was like a mountain bike mecca. And now I actually ride motocross on single track on all the old mountain bike trails that like people just don't ride anymore. But I'm like, I like, we were just talking about on, on Wednesday, we did a ride. And I was like, man, I couldn't imagine just dudes being out here on with spandex and full, like full, full rigid bikes pedaling up over these boulders. And like a a lot of my buddies that ride moto were those dudes. And they were like, yeah, it was miserable, but like, we did it like every weekend. I'm like, It's crazy. So, like, that's what I thought mountain biking was at that time. And I know, like, that probably sounds ignorant, but like, I was like fully in my own world of BMX and like just traveling, building events, riding BMX dirt jumps. And I didn't really look outside of my own box, uh, really. I mean, there's a lot of my buddies that ride BMX that still don't. And I, you know, I love mountain biking and they're oblivious to it to this day. They're just starting to catch on. They're like, oh, it's actually kind of cool. I'm like, yeah, that was like, 20 years ago when it was like kind of nuts, but, but yeah, so we rolled up to Whistler without a clue. I mean, I never even really knew about that mountain. Like even as like a snowboarder, I was like, I've heard of it, but I didn't realize once I got there, I was like, Oh my God, this is, this is it. Like, this is, this is crazy. So yeah, we basically Jay Miron went to Red Bull and Jay's uh, for people that don't know Jay, it was like, you know, multi I mean, he's he's like won every event, BMX Vert over the years, X Games and all sorts of other categories and street and everything. He's just a basically a monster on a bike, Canadian Beast. <laughs> that was his nickname. So Jay hooked up with us and basically was like, you guys, he came and rode Posh, which is one of the trails that we grew up riding and helped build and stuff. And he was like, You need to come and build like a trail, like straight up BMX jumps trail style event in Whistler. We're like, sure, whatever. Like, <laughs> we didn't know. We didn't know what we were getting into, you know? I was just kind of like, oh, ski resort. So it'll probably be a hill. That'd be cool. Like, we don't ever get to build on hills. Like, you know, our BMX jumps are on hills. But like, when we're doing X Games, we're in a stadium or parking lot or gravity games or whatever, And which is fine. But like, to, to be able to build how we would normally build at home, we normally are building it by hand. And now we have equipment and a hill. And it's like, that was probably the first time I think we really got to like, get at it. And build like like what we can envision so that was the that's when i really got hooked like proper because jay had his ideas but you know jay wasn't really a dirt rider and you know he just wanted everything huge and that wasn't really like the goal either i mean yeah it was big but like we wanted to we wanted it to ride like it was like a set of actual bmx trails that people could like go off on and yeah we showed up to to that whole scene which was funny because like guys were just rolling up on us and being like, you know, hey buddy, like, you know, that landing's a little steep, don't you think? And I'm like, well, I mean, yeah, like he rolled up on a, you know, DH bike, and I'm like, don't worry about it. It's not for you guys. Like they're like kind of sweating it or whatever. And then like as we're going down the hill and they're watching us hit it and they're like kind of like, you know, everyone's just kind of looking at me and or not me, but like looking at us, like, what the hell are these BMXers doing? They're building jumps as big or if not bigger than the mountain bike jumps that were at the uh, at the time you know? And, uh, yeah, everyone just kind of stunned, you know, there, it was, a, it was a weird, it was almost like we didn't, it, we didn't fit that format at the, at the moment. Like we were almost like the freaks in that whole. even though not to me, it was like the opposite. I was like, what is this? What is this scene? Like, this is crazy. People are from all these different countries coming to ride a mountain bike park that I've never really heard of. And it was like not that long ago, you know? Well, I mean, I guess it's kind of is now, but
1: yeah. Well, and I think you were saying that Crankworks might've been happening right around that same time.
0: Yeah. It was like the first or second year of Crankworks, and yeah, we were kind of stunned because like, you know, they're like, Hey, this one weekend you guys can't work. We're doing an an event right next to you guys. And we're like, Oh, all right, whatever. That's fine. We'll just hang out and we'll actually check it out. And you know, now it's like the biggest, well, I mean, even like probably back then it was one of the biggest events and we had, again, oblivious to like what was happening. And all of a sudden the whole town shuts down, all the places gets packed and it's like this thing takes over and we're like holy shit like this is a wild scene but like but even like mountain biking now is like the jump some of the jumps like were, were so crazy like they had like this race set up where they had this huge like huge double but like guys were they just dug like a landing out of the side or like a kicker out of the side of the landing and they were doing like one foot it flips like to almost a flat onto the landing and like people were going nuts and i'm like wow, this is pretty wacky. Like this kind of a, kind of a strange, I mean, obviously it didn't take long for them guys to catch up and they're doing like way bigger shit than we were building only like two or three years later. I think actually, I don't know if it was that year or the year after, I think they might've even used our course at one point or like mellowed it out or they definitely kept it for like a season, but yeah. Yeah. It was, and you it, got, was it was,
1: you got to meet Tom pro crazy. and Tom pro just said, go ride bikes, take whatever you want.
0: Yeah, he well, he just said, to, like, go get some rentals and, like, go, he's like, go, go see the place. Because, like, we haven't, re- we didn't really leave the job site. I mean, we, like, hiked into the woods and saw some of, I don't remember the trail that was, like, there was, like, the fire road that was next to our course. And then next to that was a trail that actually had some jumps, but it wasn't really a jump trail. I can't remember the name of it, but we were, like, going bombing down on our BMX bikes, like, getting loose as shit, like, you know, brake bumps everywhere. And we're just, like, chattering, trying to, <laughs> trying to get down it. And just trying to, and then we're, he was like, yo, he goes, you guys should go get downhill bikes. And I'm like, well, yeah, we were just kind of messing around. So we rented the like Kona had like, I think Kona, yeah, Kona rentals at the time. And yeah, I mean, we hit like crabapple hits and a line and B line and all that. And like following just people that we met up there and, oh, it was one of the best days ever. And I got, I was hooked ever since like, I, I've had a mountain bike pretty much ever since then. Well,
1: we're going to stick on the dirt jumps and the stuff you've built before we transition fully into bike parks. But when I was, when I was looking up some stuff, you know, and you'd sent me some stuff too, but the 2014 dirt conquerors in Guadalajara, Mexico, yeah, it was like a full dirt course, but built like it was concrete, a street course. Yeah. That was,
0: that was crazy. How did you, how did you do that? (laughs) So, 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 so we'll transition perfectly from Whistler right into Mexico. So like Whistler took or had, um, had that, had an elevation event for three years. So 07 was the last year we were there. Then 08 it was like up in the air like we didn't know where the event was going to go. They know they want Red Bull wanted to keep it but like for whatever reason they were just done with it in Whistler. And then I'm not sure how the transition happened but Mexico wanted the event. So they like said we'll, we'll just have it in this park. So Jay like connects with the Red Bull people down there and some of the BMXers and I think he knew I think he knew one of the BMX dudes, this dude, uh, Alex Mutante. He actually owns a bike company called uh, Mutant Bikes. And he actually started a mountain bike company now too, but I can't remember the name of it. But long story short, he basically, like they just picked this park in the middle of Guadalajara and it, you know, it didn't fit the same concept. Like it was a mellow grade hill, but it wasn't in like a a mountain mountain resort or anything. It was like in a city, but it was still a grade. So that was good. So we, 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 we learned the dirt the first time when we went to do that. So we did it one year there in 08. And that's where we had it. We were like, you know, day three, we're like, this dirt is not going to work. Like we're, our stuff's falling apart. We're riding it and it's literally crumbling out from underneath us. We're turning in the mud, hoping that maybe we do like an Adobe style. where like, if we make it so muddy and it's so hot and dry, that'll it harden the concrete. And as soon as it dried out, the face of the lips were falling off and, I think like one of our, one of our crew, um, Gilly, he had done in Florida one time had mixed a little, little concrete in with the dirt. And then we were like, you know, can we get concrete like Portland, like pure cement? And they're like, sure. And it's actually really cheap there. So it was like, they're like, yeah, as much as you need. So we started mixing it in with the dirt. So we were stacking the jumps, doing like a four inch like layer of like this perfect concrete dirt mix. Like we were hand mixing it. Like basically throwing a pile of dirt in the middle throwing the bags on and then well we would take the skiddy and flip it but then we'd like really get in and mix it with hands before or with our shovels before we'd like put it on the lit and we were basically putting it on like wet concrete consistency and it would you can knock on it and within an hour and we were hitting it and i'm like oh my god it it's like flawless so knowing that 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 worked and it wasn't a it was it was a it was a challenge, but. Lips and landings are way different than building nine and 10 foot tall bowls out of, out of the stuff. So knowing that becoming friends with Alex, he had the idea of doing a street course, a dirt street course, but like his concept was very like minuscule compared to what we end up building. Like he was talking about like building like fake stairs and a couple rails and some wedge banks and some hips and just maybe a quarter pipe. And I got there, like, well, I remember that, I remember that, like, abandoned lake thing that we built it in. But when we, when I did the site visit, I'm like, no, dude, I'm like, we're gonna, we're gonna be able to build a bowl, like a proper bowl here. And I was just hoping that our, our, like, previous event idea of mixing the concrete would work. I mean, it was a straight up Hail Mary. Like, we, we created that capsule, like that, that bowl, that, that that steel pipe. Clint Reynolds was on our crew at the time. He's like a really good makeshift. Machinist. Well, he's a machinist, but like he's really good on like in a sketchy scenario, like, he can make anything happen. So Alex tells us that he has a machine shop and we're like, oh, cool. So clint can go there and work. And he's like, yeah. So clint goes and shows up. He's like, dude, it's like an empty warehouse and there's like a MIG welder and this like this crank operated tubing bender. Cause Alex was making moto kickers for some of the local pros and we didn't realize it was like so primitive. Like it was just a space, like an empty space. So he was like, I'd rather just work on site. So he brings the MIG welder, had no cord. It was like you just touch bare wire to bare wire for the electrical. And like we just duct tape the cord to get power. No adjustments. Actually, it was a stick welder. We actually ended up buying a MIG welder at like some like like it was like it was like a Harbor Freight version of what they have down there. But yeah, so Clint's like we're hand rolling these these like steel tubes to make this massive transition. And yeah, I mean we basically hand shaped that whole entire park. Like we laid it all out with dirt, with the big machines and then like coated everything with the dirt concrete mix. And we ended up doing, I mean, I, I could, I didn't look up the magazine. Cause I know we like had all the information of how much concrete used, but I think it was like 780, hundred pound bags we mixed in. And like, I mean, it was like 200 tracks of dirt and all that steel we made rails. And Clint ended up making this massive transition out of it looked like a big like bow and arrow, but it was like 12 foot tall. So he made a 10 foot radius. So we basically would just put it on the dirt and hold it there. And if you could see light through, then we'd then we'd like fix the transition. So we had perfect transition everywhere. We had a 10-foot perfect radius on all the ramps. And yeah, it was all hand-shaped.
1: That's I mean, and well, and again, we'll link the YouTube video of this into the show notes because you have to see this. Like I'm looking at this going, that's, I know that's made out of dirt, but how the hell did they do that?
0: Yeah. And then now we it all with soil tack afterwards. So like there was zero maintenance and zero dust. So it held up perfectly for the whole event. What, what even happens though, to something like
1: that after the event?
0: So it was 2013, 2014. We went back in 14 and it just basically needed a lot of maintenance. Like everything was still there, but there was cracks. And, and then the flat bottoms, like from all the sediment, just rains, like, cause they get crazy rainstorms there. So like the set like we had to scrape out the bottoms and we ended up just redoing almost all of it and we actually added some more to it as well like we added extra ramps and bowls, changed some of the design, but it, I mean it all stayed. I mean like that the big the main quarter pipe one you know what the where the box jump was and there's that huge wide quarter it was like fifty foot wide ten foot quarter like that was still intact. So
1: and perfectly shaped.
0: Yeah, I mean there's like like I said, there's some cracks, so we just patched we did patchwork on it and it's totally, totally stayed together.
1: Well, and you just reminded me, and I didn't even have this written down, but you also built a dirt loop, like a 360 dirt loop, not there, but in another build. The Hucker one? Yeah, yeah, the Mike Hucker one.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that thing was that happened right after Red Bull called me up and was like, Hey, can you build an all dirt loop? And I'm like, uh, maybe. Like, I don't know. (laughs) And that was like that was literally our conversation. And they're like, well, yeah, make it happen. I'm like, all right, I'll 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 see what I can do. So my buddy Mike Jenicor has, now he has a BMX racetrack in his backyard called the uh, TRA Double Cross, which is a two-person bike race. It's BMX trail style. It's open wheel though. You could, dudes do it on dirt jumpers and BMX bikes. It's all, it's, you know, it's he wanted to make it like so anyone could ride it. But um, so before we did that event, Red Bull had this idea to just do like a one-off thing with Hucker. So ironically, all these ash trees died on his property. So he had like 10 of them and they were huge, you know, they're probably like 80 footers. So they're standing dead. We dropped them. And my my idea was just to like use the logs to make, make the loop. And uh, see, you know, I, I had no idea about like, I don't know. I didn't know anything about wood. Like I'm just like, Oh, those trees will work. I didn't know. Like ash was like a super hard wood. So I have just like a Home Depot chainsaw and like, it's not cutting through the wood. I'm like, huh? So then we have, it's me and this kid, Chris Janice, that used to work for me. He's like a Caddy Woods local. And he just, he was like, Hey, you should call this dude, wacky Sean. And Sean was like a good friend of ours that built minersville trails, which was like an hour from where we live. And it ended up being a pretty iconic spot, but he's a tree service guy and Ironically, he was just at my house over the weekend, cutting some trees down that were like over top of my house. And he's like a master, like climbs them. And just like, we had a zip line set up. So the branches would not hit my house and they'd go down to the ground. Like total genius. And he, he shows up with all of his crazy saws and starts cutting these like four foot sections and just doing like Lincoln log style where he cut, he cut like a slice into one end and then the like a male and female end. So they would fit together. And then we would run a, a, a like a, a bolt through them both, like a big like half inch or three quarter inch threaded rod and tighten it. And once we bolted this thing together, it was pretty much like a snake. It could move in any direction. And then I would take the excavator and like we had these anchor logs in the ground that were probably twelve foot tall, and then the archway bolted into there, and then I held it with the excavator arm as he's sitting on it while it's like fully moving he's sitting on it with an impact drilling timber locks into locking the transition. in until we had a perfect loop and we got the two, the two uh, laid out. And then we just did two by fours across did a plywood roof. Another buddy of mine who was like a tile guy. He just was like, he was a mountain biker. That was a good buddy of mine. That was real. This guy, Ted. And he's like, I have have just old thin set lying around. I need to get rid of it's Brown. So he came up and actually like thin set it over the plywood. So it looked like dirt. And then like, actually like, it was like textured, so it wouldn't be slippery too. So he's up there doing that. We, we did the whole loop out of logs. We have a jump going into it, a jump coming out of it. And then like, I ended up getting a sod cutter, cutting <laughs> Mike's grass with it and laying grass over the whole roof. So it looked like a hobbit hole. Like it was literally like, so you couldn't even see the two by fours. So they're all covered in grass. So it was just logs and grass and then dirt jumps going in and out of this loop. And it was an 18 foot tall loop. It was huge. And, and no one worked. had hit it and it totally worked. Yeah. No one had hit it. We ended up had like I built it and then I had to go to Colorado for a bike park build. So it had sat for like a month or so, a month and a half. And we had this crazy rain and the, and the thing shifted. It actually, the lo- one log moved a little bit. So it flattened the whole, it kind of like made it not round anymore. And we got super nervous. We're like, like we just got back into town. Mike's showing, our Hucker's showing up in like two days. And we're just kind of like, hopefully this works. He shows up and is like, dude, that thing looks like it's going to send me right to the ground. Like, cause of just the way it flattened out. So we like had to readjust it and like build a new transition and plywood and fill it all in. And it, it, I mean, it was a last minute fix, but it totally worked perfect. But yeah, I mean, we, we've been throwing Hail Marys at like stuff forever. Like those, those events were like, no, none of it's ever been done prior. So we didn't, you know, no one knew if it would work. We were just, I was just like, yeah, we we will be all right.
1: Well, how many people have even ridden loops?
0: Yeah, like a few. Like I know Stephen Murray had one uh, uh, like at his house for a little bit where it was like I think you had the pedal or you hit a jump, it was like a long low into it. It wasn't like like we had built like a it was like a trick jump into it. So he like he like spined out, landed, it, and it was like basically it was like a flat bottom and where the lips where the, the next transition started would it would have been like equivalent to hitting like a rhythm section. You know what I mean? Like it would have been like hitting the next jump, but instead it's a loop. So was, there was no like flat bottom. It was like, it was maybe like an eight foot flat bottom right into like an 18 foot tall transition.
1: Did he, so it was 15 he foot, first 15 try foot just double. launch into
0: it? First try. Well, so I got him pads. Cause like to test it. And then he goes, ah, I'm good. He was like, those things will just distract me. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, man. Like, like you're freaking me out now. And He's like, no, dude. He was like, I I'd rather just do it and then then crash on the pads for a while. And I'm like, yeah, but you all right? So he pulled the pads. I felt like it was in like we were in the movie Rad. Like, all right, he's gonna do the flip. But so instead of over rotating, he uh, he went in too fast and and actually like bottomed out in the roof. So like, it's almost like his feet blew. His feet didn't blow off the pedals, but it, he G'd out so hard that is like he almost sat down on his bike and is like knees were up in his handlebars and he was like leaned forward and basically just like came flying out of it sideways. And yeah. So after the second or third try, I think he was just like, what, am, what's happening? And I'm like, we're telling him. And then wacky Sean is just like, yo, you, you should probably just slow down. <laughs> Maybe hit your brakes a little. And, and, and Mike and uh, Hucker was like, dude, he's like, actually, I think I am going too fast. So he just hit the jump pulled back and did nothing and just went into it kind of almost like limp and just like cruised right around it and perfect and I'm like whoa that actually that was it he was going too fast I mean you could tell he's going too fast but you don't want to tell someone to slow down on a loop
1: yeah cuz you know I mean the days of the hot wheel cars like they go a little bit too slow they fall from the top
0: exactly exactly so yeah so but that's the problem he was getting he was getting mashed into the roof and he could not like hold his uh you know he couldn't hold it and I mean, it's so hard to judge your speed. I mean, you're hitting a jump. Like, who knows how fast you're, like, you never know how fast you're going until you fall on a dirt jump. You know what I mean? You feel like you're going slow because you're floating in the air. But he was landing and pumping, and then as he was pumping, he would just, like, collapse in the roof. But once he slowed it down a bit, and then he was chilling, and then he just started doing back-to-back tricks. Like, like, he did, like, a flip, backflip into the loop, did the loop, and then front flipped out of the loop, like, out of, on the next jump. Superman's, I mean, he was just doing all sorts of stuff that's crazy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It was just like, you know, in a backyard, uh, you know, at our buddy's house in the Leah Valley, just like crazy event happening. Well, it wasn't even an event. It was just like a a photo shoot essentially, you know, and that was it. It was done after it was done. Then we just like, it sat there for a little bit. No one obviously was going to ride it because it was insane. And then we just tore it down to then later build the, we built the TRA double, double cross like right where the loop was.
1: So yeah, that that, that almost sounds there. like a BMX dual slalom. Uh kind of. Yeah, in in a way it's uh
0: but but there's no there's no lanes. It's uh-huh. it's open. You can you can block pass. You can you could be wherever you want.
1: But it's only big enough for two people.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's a two-person gate. It's a motocross gate. Uh it drops towards you. God. So it's not like the forward like yeah. BMX gate. It's just like it's totally handmade too. Like I, he had a, he had some welder guy who put it together. Like he made this like platform, you stand on your bike, you put, there's a post, like a four by four post with a two by six in the middle, right where your grip goes and you lean against that. So you can, so, cause you can't balance against the gate cause yeah, you'll flip. Cause it won't drop. Yeah, exactly. And then there's a guy that just manually steps on this pedal that drops the gate towards you. So you're, it's behind you so you can't tell when it's going to drop and then so there's no cheating this gate you have to literally wait until it hits the ground and then you gap off this thing there's maybe like a two or three foot drop into a landing so you just you get like a half a crank pop into it and then it goes right into like tight dirt jumps that are like six foot tall and uh and then it goes into a shark fin so you're actually going around the berm together and you have to jump off side by side and if you're like over and under you can do it but it's so it's so nuts because you're jumping with someone below you then it goes onto his old horse shed because he like i guess it was a horse farm before he bought it so and then there's a, a wooden landing almost like a step up step you know step up step down and then you jump up onto that and then and then you go into this big banked roller and then then it's a huge step down and then a massive uh i don't know it was probably like a nine foot tall lip like huge double then a berm and then we just have like a like a like a two rollers for the finish, but.
1: Is there any footage yeah, of this a... anywhere?
0: Yeah, yeah. If you just like look up T.R.A. BMX on uh, on YouTube, yeah. There's Red Bull actually did the first year, like they sponsored it, so it's actually a Red Bull edit. But Mike's done it on his own, I think, two times after that. Wow! Just kind of ha- just hosted at his house. Yeah, it's a pretty cool thing.
1: Let's so let's, just, let's stay on on parks because you're sure. also you're also a, a pump track builder, which we you know stated in the beginning of the show. Mm -hmm. and with that you've you know you've done both dirt and asphalt but asphalt right now seems to be all the rage and for good reason because it's almost yeah and it's free right yeah like what are your what are your thoughts on that and like how is like how have you seen the evolution of of asphalt you know kind of get built into this whole i'm gonna say landscape because it's part of our landscape
0: yeah yeah i mean i i love it i hate i hate doing them i mean it's miserable work like it's a million degrees. Oh yeah, it's high stress because it's not like you're trying to. I mean, if you don't use the whole truck, like if it cools before you get to it, like that could be, you know, it's a it's a financial stress uh, as a business owner. Like, it for me, it's probably the worst because, like, obviously, it's coming out of my pocket. If I blow, if I blow it, or if we blow it, or whatever, uh, you know, weather's a huge factor. You know, when you're working with dirt, I mean, you know, you're kind of you can just you can work on it leisurely. Uh, where uh, like a blacktop scenario, especially if it's cooler, it cools a lot faster on you, and you're you're chasing the dragon for sure, trying to keep it pliable enough to get a good compaction. Because we've definitely had it happen where we had to, you know, you, you have blow torches for backup, but it's not like ideal to be like when you're in the middle of a turn. It could be your last, the last bit of the truck that's been sitting there for a while. It's cooling faster. It's leading later in a day to get windy, where it's like a little cold wind it gets very porous and it's hard to like, once you run the plate on it, it's, uh, you know, it starts bouncing and you you feel it's not compacting anymore. It's like hardening as is. So you got to keep torching it and keep that heat on there. And yeah, it's, it's a little stressful, but man, finished product night and day, like faster, more fun, different lines. You can normally, that you wouldn't normally be able to do out of dirt. Uh, the fact that it's rideable all year round, I mean, it could be pouring. And as soon as it stops raining, you go ride, like, yeah. I, I really, I'm not a big fan of dirt pump tracks anymore. There's a couple that are going out for bid this year and I'm, I've like conv- tried to try to convince them to like, you know, like, man, we should out how we can pave these. And they're like, sorry, we want to do dirt. And I'm like, all right, but.
1: What's your maintenance budget just, afterwards?
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They, they, they need like, you need like a full-time employee to to manage a pump track out of dirt. And most, most, most parks, like, the one the one that we did in the lehi Valley uh, in Ema- outside of Emmaus, man, they had, like, you know, the mountain bike group was was keen on it for a minute, and then, like, everyone just, like, dropped the ball, and it was 100% abandoned, and it was just, like, you know, weeds were growing up, like, six foot tall, then the town had me, like, come and weed whack it all, and I literally had to use, like, the the blades on, I couldn't even use string, because they were so tall and thick, and uh, once I, and then you know, I recoded it and got it rideable, but it was like, you know, it was almost winter when they had me do it. So I was like, this is a waste of time. But then a a local resident, she donated the money to have it paved. So we donated at the time, she donated the money and then it covered all the asphalt and I could pay my guys. And uh, so now it's a paved pump track. So, and and it's like a huge, huge hit like for the town, like everyone uses it constantly. People skate it, rollerblade it, like, you know, razor scooters, bikes, whatever.
1: Yeah. There's a, there's a small asphalt pump track that got paved in my town in 2018, fall of 2018. And I like, I didn't re- I knew razor scooters were a thing, but I didn't know they were as big of a thing as they are. And it's, next, oh, it's, yeah. it's built, it's, it abuts to a concrete skate park. And, yeah. you know, so when it we went down there and I was watching it get built and I was like, holy cow, like I didn't, had no idea all these scooter kids were like coming out of the woodwork.
0: Yeah. It's wild. Yeah, there's funny. There's all the all the the bottom out marks on the rollers. Yeah, like after you go back after a couple months, like you're like, oh yeah, they're they're out here.
1: Yeah, and it was like, and the back to the asphalt product itself. Like, I think you've been to Bentonville. I don't know if you've been to the rail yard south of Bentonville and, yeah. uh, and yeah. uh Rogers, but I was. I remember going there for the first time in 2016, not too long after it opened when it was when it was all dirt and. Mm-hmm that thing between 2016 and 2000, well, 2020, 2016 and 2020, like it was closed more than it was open. And they went all out on that. I mean, obviously it's, it's the land of Oz. So they have no constraints on their budget.
0: Yeah. I was going to say, I don't even know. I don't even know how, what number you'd put on that thing. It's definitely over a million. That's for sure.
1: Yeah. And I went there, you know, back there again and It would have been in November of 2020 after, it was probably a month or two after they opened it when it was paved and they literally Mm -hmm. left it. You know, they didn't change anything. They just paved the lines that were there. Yeah. Yeah. And it road, so good.
0: Yep. Yeah. I liked it a lot. I actually had a lot of fun there. That was the first thing I hit because I drove to Bentonville for the PTBA conference last year. So I like just got out of the car and met my buddies there. One of my old employees, Mark Tomasic, moved to Bentonville for a little while. And so, yeah, like he was already there. And then, uh, Will Blunt was another guy that worked for me. And, uh, yeah, so we all got there kind of at the same time. It was kind of sweet because we hadn't seen each other in like months, you know, probably like eight months or something since they both moved on. And, uh, it was kind of cool to like, you know, reunite there and then actually get a good sesh. It was fun.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like, I remember, the, should I rode there for four or five hours that one night? You know, we didn't have any, mm-hmm. work. have you seen, this is kind of changing gears. So another thing that they're doing down there is a buddy of mine actually has a company and I, and I laughed when they started doing it because I've been doing it in the DOT world forever, but they're starting to chip seal trails down there. Oh yeah, I saw that. You know, and I've, you know, I've done it in highway applications forever. And so when it, when they started doing that down there. Yeah. And especially like they're starting to do it adjacent to just regular greenways and stuff where you're going to. You know, so it's not going to be like high consequence areas, but still be fun for kids. Maybe like, you know, little rollers and stuff. Sure. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's, uh, it's that whole place was kind of mind blowing to me. Like,
1: isn't it? It was like almost,
0: it was almost like the, like that, that was the town. Like it was, it just like took the whole place over. Like that was, it almost like seemed like the trails were there first. So they built the town around it in a sense.
1: Yeah, and I've been going there since 2016. They had the Imba. I just it was just coincidental that we were there during the same time as the Imba World Summit in 2016. Mm-hmm. And so we've kind of, you know, at that point, they had just built the back forty trail system in Bella Vista. Slaughter Pen was yeah. had been there for a while. Kohler, which is another place just on the on the west side of town, yeah. that, that was it wasn't officially open, but it was partially built. Yeah, we were there. We rode that a little bit. And it's to, to watch the evolution from 2016, even to 2020 or 2022, you know, now we're in 2023, but I mean, it's just crazy how much they've built and how much they continue to build.
0: Yeah. I mean, I mean, in PA, it's like, we're, they're just starting to like realize that you could build trail here in a sense. I mean, I know there's been mountain bike trails here forever, but like that place is just like, it's, it's almost, it's like, it's equivalent to like putting in like road construction. They're just like, you drive through town and they're just like, there's little like, you know, there's, you just see excavators everywhere, like all different, you know, different companies. Yeah. They could be like, you know, two different trails across this one on one side of the street, one on the other, this company's over here, this company's over here. I'm like, this is weird. Like it doesn't even, I've never seen anything like that.
1: They can never get enough builders. It seems like and and I mean, it's, yeah. there's a couple companies that have been really prosperous because of it, which is awesome because in other areas. You know, like where I live, we have rock solid up and way up in the UP, up in the middle of nowhere, upper peninsula. Well, now they're like,
0: they're like killing it down there.
1: Yeah. They have two offices. So it's awesome for us up here because they get to build down there all all winter when you can't build here. And then they shift Mm -hmm. a lot of their crew up North and it's almost like they get to experiment with everything down there and then bring back their knowledge to all the other projects.
0: Yeah. That's awesome.
1: Let's get back to mountain biking in PA, because okay. you've also been part of. Uh, I think this was PA, but you've also been part of the U.S. Open of mountain biking. Uh, it's actually
0: it's not PA. It was it was originally uh, the original like Clay Harper uh, put it on. Yeah, I'm thinking it was Mountain originally Creek, Mountain Creek in New Jersey, That's North right, Jersey. That's yeah. right. It's not real far. I mean, it's just you know the next state over. But same, same, like same people are riding in PA or riding. You know, same they're crew. riding that too. Yeah. But I actually, uh, I had never been to it when it was in Jersey. I went, the first one I went to was the one in Killington in 2018. So basically they went from, man, I can't remember the name of the, the large peak there. It's where top of the, I don't know if you ever wrote Killington, but it's where top of the world trail starts, but they had it start there and then it had to like cross. Uh, there's two peaks. It had to cross over to the next peak and then down and, uh, Basically they were just kind of like what are we going to do with this super flat area cuz like you know you can't have a downhill race on a fire road i mean it's just not <laughs> not too fun you know so the the idea was uh they came out of the woods onto the ski slope and a fire road and then we built some berms and kind of made it a little like flowy and then we built this because it was you know the open is a you know it's like a pro event but it's also like there's amateur racers as well so i had to build Two jumps, but two, but, but side by side, like the amateurs and pros could like benefit from it. So we built like a 25 foot rollable step up to like another, I don't know. I think the next one was probably close to the same. Cause it's pretty flat tabletop, but then there was a, there was two trees to the left of the lip. So I built a lip way far back. So it was like 32 foot kicker. You jump through the trees and then transfer over onto the step-up landing and then, then you hit the tabletop lip. And then I just, you know, like it was just like the bench cut back slope of the hillside for where we dug the tabletop out. And then we just made a forever landing and dudes were jumping like, you know, 30, 35 foot, like just landing sideways onto the hillside so far past. So it, it worked out perfect for both, both like pro and amateur. And, um, and then during that whole event too, Red Bull did their best whip. So I did the, I came back to do the Red Bull best whip jump for that as well, but I wasn't involved. I, I wasn't involved with the actual like race course, minus that jump section. Like I didn't, I didn't cut any of the trail or that, the mountain, like, uh, Rosie and, and their crew, uh, uh, Mike and I, I don't know if, uh, Taylor Zink was there at the time, but they, they all like the, the Killington crew built the downhill trail. I just kind of filled in that little area. But that was a cool event.
1: Yeah. Well, and you went there this year too, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Me and my son both. I should say last year now because
1: we're in 2023, but the last, you went to the last rendition of it in 2022.
0: Yeah, it was, it was awesome. Like I had never actually participated in a mountain bike like race or really any kind of event. You know, I just always just ride for fun. And my son was like, you know, we were riding rabbit hole, which was one of the, which was the, the, the kids race. And he's like, I got this. And I'm like, what do you mean you got this? He's like, I want to do the race. And I'm like, what the U S open? He's like, yeah. I was like, well, sh- well, hell. I guess, I guess if you're doing it, I got to do it. He's nine. So like, yeah, he totally was like amped to do it. Like that was all him. And my wife was like, yeah, let's break Let's come, let's come back. Like, cause she loves just going up there to hang out and stuff. So yeah, we went up, I like, you know, I started, I I did the, the downhill race with, and he did, uh, he did the kids race and yeah, we both had a blast. It was so cool.
1: Yeah. And it's awesome to see events like that. It's uh, like a lot of pros joke that they get paid better at that event than like any of the world cups.
0: Really? That's funny. Oh yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And they, they had a really big best whip jump this year. Um, yeah, the guys at Killington built it and it, yeah, it was, it was a good, it was a good, uh it was awesome. It was such a fun time. Like I'm definitely looking forward to going back if it's, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure it's going to be there again.
1: Yeah, for sure. Well, let's take it over to Powder Ridge bike park. Cause that's one that you definitely have a lot of involvement with.
0: Yeah. So Powder Ridge, like, uh, <laughs> it's a funny, it's a funny little mountain. Uh, it's, it's tiny. It's only like two or 300 acres. It's a small ski resort in Connecticut. You can see the, the, uh, Long Island, uh, uh, sound from the top like it's it's coastal, so snow's not the best there, <laughs> like we'll get better snow p a where I am, and they're even a little bit north of us, and like they're just you know unfortunately they're just it's just a bad location snow wise but that being said the uh the ski- the ski slopes are like just straight down the middle, and all the sides they never got really built out, so all the sides is all wood so now that's all the mountain bike park there's only like one or two trails that even cross the ski slopes so the whole mountain bike park is pretty much top the bottom woods so 2018 uh we started having meetings and we went up there and we started like they had a mountain bike park uh they just didn't have experienced builders up there they just basically had like a really big oversized excavator for what they needed and like pretty much most of the employees that worked there at the time didn't like, I mean, they were probably like, you know, maintenance guys or lift guys. And they're just like, Hey, go start making trails. And like there was some fire roads that were cut for access and they were just calling those like, you know, a trail. So it was like a dirt road. So it was a really, it was bad. But then this guy, Jordan, who was from Killington originally, he lived in that area for whatever, I don't know why he moved there, but he was there for a while and he would get hired on occasion. So he, but he was a racer. So he, he he knew how to build, but he was building more downhill race style stuff. And the place really needed more like, like flow trail based on like, you know, just based on our experience of what people are riding now, I feel is more like people want more flow stuff. The, the downhill stuff. It's just not like, you know, when you go to Killington, you're riding a downhill trail, you're, you're bombing forever, like Rocky crazy stuff, you know? Yeah. You're not going to get that at powder Ridge, but they do have a couple downhill trails and they actually have like downhill racing there, but they're just, you know, they're short, uh, short, uh, courses, but, um, but yeah, we've been building a lot of jump stuff there. We actually, this year we opened up uh gentle giants, which is probably, I mean, I guess it's probably one of the biggest jump lines on the East coast as of right now, but, uh, it's, it's, it's fun. It's, uh, it's basically my rendition of like a BMX dirt jump line, but for mountain bikes. So it's like, mellower like to fit like a downhill bike but it has the same feel as like something if you go to caddy uh you know big berms big rollers big big jumps i mean we made everything tabletop so at least you can kind of roll through i didn't really want to make it where it's all doubles and you have to like to flow check it you'd have to just ride next to everything or at least get your eyes on it before you just send it at least you can ride through the thing first but yeah i mean the one tabletop andre i think is almost it's over 40 foot it's like it's like a 10 foot lip and like a 50 foot backside. I mean, everything is huge there and it all works pretty spot on. Like pretty much you you don't pedal and you don't hit brakes anywhere. You just ride. It just, it just, I tried to make, we built it and wrote it as, as we were building it, we kept testing and and riding it to make sure that it felt proper. I mean, and we had the thing that really made it happen was a 35 ton Hitachi excavator at the mountain acquired from one of the, uh, business partners that owns a, a, like a paving company. We needed, we needed that a machine for like another project a couple of years prior and they ended up keeping it or buying it or whatever. And like having that, I mean, it's a five foot tall, five foot wide bucket. So you can, you can like basically stand inside of it. So like I, when I have that thing on the mountain, it's, it's definitely like way too big for what what we need. But like the fact that I could put, like, I could put up a 30 foot tabletop, 10 foot tall, in like an hour and a half
1: in like three scoops
0: yeah it's (laughs) like it's like basically stacking school buses instead of dirt like you're just
1: like
0: like it's just it's crazy how it's you know it's an old machine it's like from the 90s so it's not a fast machine it's kind of a dinosaur but like man every scoop is just it's it's pretty incredible it's pretty fun but yeah that thing made that run what it is i mean the fact just building 10 foot tall berms 12 foot tall berms and spots like I'm just like pulling all the dirt and just pushing it up and just, and then having the crew come through with the mini X's, just doing all the cleanup and yeah. it, it And even just the compaction you get when you just bucket slam the top of a berm and you, you actually, it drops like three feet. <laughs> you're like, Oh yeah, that's, that just compacted that.
1: <laughs> the ground shakes.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, you could feel when you're tracking that thing, when you're, if someone's moving it, you can feel it for like a hundred feet in every direction. It's, it's pretty hilarious.
1: That's but awesome.
0: That. Yeah. But then we built some other trails. Like we have flow dog, which is like a, like more like a flow trail. Like there's some wooden drops some small tapes, like, you know, stuff like, like maybe like three or four foot tall tabletops, but just, it's kind of more fun. Like my, my nine-year-old can totally hit it. And like, he may, he can't clear all the tabletops, but it's like, he could still jump onto the decks and like ride fluently without feeling like he's like hacking. You know what I mean? So it's a good, it's a good beginner and it's a good intermediate mountain. And then now that we have gentle giants, now there's stuff for pros too. So it's cool.
1: I was, the, I was watching the video you sent and I've watched it a couple times now. And it looks like the, even the chairlifts at that place, it looks like it's like old hall, like 1970s double chairlifts. Oh,
0: they are. And the, the lifts are not ideal. I will <laughs> say they're not the fastest lift. Um, yeah. They're not the, ta- yeah. I mean, the place was basically abandoned for over a decade the original owner like i guess you know went out of business for whatever reason and then tried to turn it he wanted to do a housing development and then the whole town shut it down like you know zoning or whatever so then it just went abandoned and then uh Sean Hayes the, the owner now uh i'm not quite sure like what like what he was thinking but he was just kind of like he saw it and was like i i i can make this happen so he get, he got it from the town i think it, you know either bank owned or town owned i forget how how it all happened but uh Yeah, he basically acquired it, got it, you know, real cheap. But they had to dump like nine million into it with investors to like get it back, maybe even more than that. But they, I mean, these are these were like you know abandoned buildings, you know, like talking like a decade of sitting there dormant. People were in there messing with stuff, you know, throwing bricks through windows, the whole deal. Like it was abandoned ski. Yeah, I mean, who knows? But yeah, I mean, now it's a fully functioning ski resort (laughs) and mountain bike park, and they have a concert venue, a restaurant you know they're they're, they do weddings i mean it's it's cool like they they're doing a snow race actually tomorrow i'm not gonna make it but yeah and and because our weather right now it's like almost it's like 55 degrees here they actually opened up the jump park the paved pump track that we did and they opened up three downhill mountain bike trails for tomorrow and and the snow race
1: why not yeah it's like it's like That's kind of the world we're, we're coming into. And I don't ever really get into like global warming or climate change or any of that stuff, but like oh, for (laughs) the, for these like resorts, I mean, four season stuff has to be a thing. Oh, it's mandatory. You know, you can't make money off of a three month operation.
0: I mean, yeah. I mean, Powder Ridge was closing. Like I was watching, you know, on their Instagram and like, you know, they'd be like, it'd be like a Wednesday, like, sorry, mountains closed. And it'd be like pouring there. I mean, even I live like down the street from blue mountain ski area. And we have, you know, we have decent elevation. Like it's the, the biggest, I think it's like a thousand foot vertical. It's the biggest ski resort in PA. I'm pretty sure. And I mean, they're open, but I don't know if they're even fully open yet. And it's like halfway through February. And normally they, you know, January, they'd be every single trail would be open and up and running. I mean, it's, I was outside today in a t-shirt and this thin hoodie unzipped, like, <laughs> you know.
1: Kind of put a time frame on, on Potter Ridge. Like when was it bought out? of being closed and then like from what point did they decide that they want to do like legit what you guys came in and did in terms of trails and and jump lines
0: i think they reopened in 16 like where they actually had the lift spinning and uh yeah they i think they i think they're open a year or, or two years with their like makeshift mountain bike park before we came in
1: yeah And you, and you mentioned it, but you didn't go into it. You actually put an asphalt pump track there as well.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. So last year, uh, we had built a dirt pump track from the original. So basically I came in the first year and just, you know, we had a laundry list of stuff like, and he, you know, he had his laundry list too. He's like, Hey, I want this. I want this. I want this. You need to fix all the trails, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay. I mean, yeah, we can, we can do all that stuff. So it just, but it just was like, you know, we didn't have a huge budget, but I wasn't going to walk away from that project either. Uh, just because I knew like we were going to be a long, long-term scenario with that place. So yeah, we came in and we just did like, not that we have asked anything, but we just like the pump track we did, we, you know, we, we went light in the places that we could, we did like a basic pump track. We just did dirt. It wasn't too complex. Um, we just wanted to get something because they wanted some for beginners. Cause I mean, typically too, we, we thought of about importance, like You're going to a downhill mountain bike park. You're most likely probably not going to ride a dirt pump track with a downhill bike, you know, or or even an enduro. But if you're a young kid and you're bringing your kid to ride, you know, he's going to want to ride a pump track because he's not going to get on the lift and go to the top. So we bit. We did three jump lines: beginner, intermediate, and expert, and then we had a small pump track. And we were like, "This is good for now." And then you know, then we then we start paving pump tracks like a lot, and then. Sean was like, or I explained to him like, Hey, like, he's like, I think we want to rebuild the pump track. It needs to be upgraded. I'm like, well, yeah, we can do this. And I started showing him, like I showed him the Port Jervis video and he's like, well, why don't we have that? I'm like, well, we can, (laughs) but
1: (laughs) we have to build it first. Throw me some pavement and we'll make it, we'll make shapes out of it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So we, we, we made the park bigger. I mean the pump track bigger, we added a ton more lines. uh, And then so we, we basically like we saved a couple of the berms, but almost almost everything got rebuilt. One of the investors, his name's Skip, He owns Empire Paving, so he he supplied the asphalt, so that helped the mountain with like costs because you know, obviously he's an asphalt company, so he's hauling the material and buying it so he doesn't pay like what a you know like a normal person would pay because he's buying in bulk at all times. But they're doing stuff like they're doing like interstate highways and stuff, like they're doing major projects. So yeah, that helped with the budget. And then, yeah, we basically, I mean, it was a crazy build because it was how hot it was. Like I was saying earlier about the heat, like it was 96 degrees out. Plus the, that asphalt shows up at like 350 degrees. I mean, I don't know how we didn't lose anyone on this one. (laughs) And I'm like, it was gnarly. Like we were out there cooking. It was bad.
1: I haven't done it recently, but in my early years at DOT, I spent a lot of time on asphalt paving crews and it's wild. No what it's like to be in the nineties and then standing next to a paver
0: just cooking. Yeah. Well, picture standing over the asphalt the whole time. Cause like I'm pretty much the finished guy. Like I'll run the plate compactor and try to like, I'm like chasing everyone as they're spreading it and I'm, you know, plating everything in. So I'm, I'm most of my time of the day, I'm standing over and on the asphalt. It's rare if I'm not standing on the fresh blacktop.
1: Yeah. So it's,
0: Well, I mean, I, I wait a little bit, like I let it set up a little bit, but yeah, but uh, yeah, but even, but that heat, like even after you run the plate over, it almost seals the heat in. So even when you go back, it's still like even an hour later, it's still just as hot. I feel.
1: Yeah, for sure. And, and what do you think, you know, so as far as that place goes, it's how's that been working out in terms of the bike park itself? Like have, have the owners been pretty happy with the numbers that have been coming and like what they've seen in terms of like from a business perspective?
0: yeah i mean they're definitely i mean we're adding uh we're going back in the spring to add a blue jump line because uh we don't have like anything like the jump lines that we have that we had previously built there's it's, it's like it's like something that you can like jump and then walk back up and hit it again so it's only like four or five jumps in a row and it's definitely a good warm-up but there's no like downhill blue jump trail the flow dog trail has some jumps but again it's not like consistent it's more like a flow trail where there's berms rollers and you just come across a jump here and there we want to basically build like a baby version of uh general giants so it's going to be like a blue jump line so yeah we're doing a top another top to bottom jump line there this year so yeah they're they keep uh having us come back to do more
1: yeah that's awesome that's those are good stories because there's so many ski resorts that you know either have shut down like that or could be mm-hmm. on the verge of shutting down and like to really kind of reinvest in their business to make it a sustainable business model.
0: Oh yeah. No, they're they're doing it's it's the mountain itself in a whole like not mountain biking. Mountain biking they always say like breaks even, but I feel like I hear that everywhere. But I guess if I mean, I don't you can't really count breaking even if you're just looking at just like what you paid for the park and and do it that way because there's people that are coming and buying food and drinking beers. They're like bringing their kids back, you know. They're constantly coming back. So, like, yeah, maybe the the that basic number of like how many lift tickets sold, how much we spent. I feel like that's just the first dimension of it. So there there is a lot more to it. I mean, and even like those event weekends when they have their downhill race, like, and there's like two or three thousand people there, and they're you know people are paying to camp, people are obviously buying food the whole weekend. Like, I don't know if they're taking that into consideration or not, but. Those are the you know, You're bringing so many people in for those weekends. So,
1: what haven't we talked about that you? What are some good stories that we maybe need to touch on that I didn't dig up or didn't ask you about?
0: Uh, I don't know. I mean, I've done the X Games since like 2001.
1: Yeah, since that the beginning. Cool. Since the beginning of X Games and was it LA then? No. So,
0: so the beginning
1: was probably uh, beginning was 90s. That's right. Yeah, We're talking, it was like
0: it was late 90s. 95 I think was the first year oh, I yeah. went to 96 yeah. I had a broken femur so like I had nothing else to do so me and my buddies just drove up to Providence and like went and then we I actually slept in the back of a Chevy S10 with a broken femur like on like a, in a sleeping bag like I just kind of like sat on the end of the tailgate and then just like scooted my butt back until I was fully inside my buddy had a cap on his truck and then me and him slept in the back then my brother and my other friend slept in, a, in a, like a city park in Providence like on a bench didn't care about anything pretty funny. So yeah, a couple of years go by and then 98, I got, uh, my first paid digging job. Uh, we did the beginner jumps at Woodward East and then I think it was like 2000 or 2001. We went back to do the first BMX X games, downhill race event, which Vans triple crown happened first there. So there was a track sitting, but we like fully like rebuilt it and added like extra straights and everything. We, we basically doubled the length of the track. So for the first couple of years, I did BMX downhill twice at Woodward East. Then the second year Woodward East after that event, because we were built that earlier. It wasn't like right up to the event. We would build that like in like, say we'd build that in like June. And then the event was happen in July. So we built that. And then I went and did the Philly jumps, like in the stadium, so that so 2000 I think 2002 was my first time building X Games dirt jumps in in Philly and then from then on out it was like Philly and then and then LA for a while we were at the Home Depot Center
1: they go to San Francisco
0: that was before that was like those in between years like after Providence then it went to like I think then it went to San Fran and my roommates were doing it at the time Christopher and uh, and Gilly, uh Jeremy Reese. And and uh this guy elf, Sean Waters, they they were all they got on right at the beginning. And then once once there was more jumps, they needed more help, and then I kind of like filled in that final slot. And uh yeah, so like LA was like a bunch of years. I mean, I think we were out there for like eight years or something.
1: Yeah, I was thinking I was thinking San Francisco because it was I think it was ninety nine that Travis Pastrana jumped his bike into the bay.
0: Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think you got a fine for that too. Probably <laughs> they were yeah, <laughs> but yeah, so then so then but 2000 2008 i think it might be 2008 i can't remember exactly but then the end at x games dirt out of nowhere and that was like that was before i had dirt sculpt or anything and uh maybe it was seven i don't know it was in that zone and then all of a sudden it just stopped and then i was kind of just getting sick of like this this is kind of how dirt sculpt started i was just getting sick of like getting the phone call and then all of a sudden like not getting the phone call being like, Oh, like everything was like, all of a sudden we're super busy and then all of a sudden there was just nothing. And it's like, this is what I wanted to do at that point. I knew that I already had been building for like, you know, almost 10 years professionally at that point. But you know, we were just like the phone call people. Like we just got the call like, Hey, like in three weeks, we're going to fly you here to do this build. Cause we were already doing like gravity games, X games, Red Bull events, doing, um, the, Vans Triple Crown, I did one of the do tours and like my other, my other buddies that were like on the crew with me, they were doing all the due tours. So like, you know, it started to become like, and then all of a sudden those events started just like closing up shop. And then, you know, like I said, X Games, just calling it quits on BMX Dirt was like, whoa, like they're, they're really all kind of going away. But Red Bull was the only one that was still kind of there. And then, yeah, then all of a sudden I had nothing. Like for a couple, like two years, I think I only did like one or two things. I just got like a regular job. And then my friends' mom worked at Blue Mountain Scary and they're like, hey, they're gonna start building a bike park or they want to build a bike park. You should do something with them, but like you have to start a company. There you can't just like show up as Dave. You need to like do something. So I like quickly researched how to start an LLC and just like came up with the name, just like went online and like bought an LLC. And I was like, dirt sculpt. That's it. Like here we are. So like I hit them up and they had just signed a contract with some other guy. And I was like devastated because I was like, my whole plan, I was living in Philly at the time. My plan was like, oh, I'll move back to the valley, I'll start this business, I'll automatically have a full-time gig at Blue Mountain. I'm like, this doesn't get any easier. But like it was always kind of easy because we were the only ones really doing it before. So we always just got the phone call. It wasn't really a challenge and until until it was. So that was like a little like, you know, it kind of shook me when I was like, oh man, like this isn't gonna be just that easy. And then I had to like legit build my business from the ground up.
1: Well, let's talk about, cause you just brought up a couple of good points, but let's talk about the, 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 the kind of the tension of like, like you get called, you get to build, but then what you build is just there for that event and it, no one ever gets to yeah. use it again. But yep. now what you're doing is something that actually is like, it leaves a lasting impression on people. You can oh. come back and do it over and over and over again 100%. as a consumer. Like how much yeah. more rewarding is that?
0: Oh, for sure. And then even just meeting all the people that like you meet or, or even just people commenting on Instagram and stuff. I mean, that's the best part. Like people are just like, man, I rode like, like we just did this jump flow trail at Trexler Game Preserve. And, you know, people are just like, man, like, you know, Jack of Diamonds is so freaking fun. Like we actually have like, it feels like you're riding a downhill mountain bike park, but like in a town trail system, like this is so cool. And like, yeah. I mean, that's the best part. And like, even just going, like, we just built a, a paved pump track in Penn forest, which is right next to Jim Thorpe where I live. And, you know, just even like the local people that like, you know, guys that I just ran into that were like, yeah, I just start riding again. Cause this is here now. And then I'm getting my kid into it. But yeah, no, I mean, I'm a hundred percent. I mean, the events, you know, that was a, that was what was happening at the time. And I still like doing events. I mean, I miss that. Like we did the, we actually got the contract for X games. 2013 till 2019 so like that was like dirt sculpts we were the primary contractor for that event for that long after you know just getting the phone call um which was really that was the that was a really cool moment for me because one we always hated being on the back burner we just got called in and we'd get like this basic design and we wouldn't we didn't have any say and like we didn't really have i don't know we were no one even knew who we were like even the SBM people were like those are the dirt digging guys. Like we were just like those people, you know, like just like who, who, no, like they actually would come up to us and be like, where's your boss. So, like, he's not here. He will, he'll be here for the event. And, like, they're like, all right, well, we'll call him. I'm like, okay, you do that. Like, it was just super weird. And like now that I'm like the boss and actually going to the meetings and actually going to the designs, like flying out like in February to go see like the stadium and measuring and Getting out and then like, you know, doing all the designs on SketchUp and giving like a 3D render and like dealing with Moto and dealing with the ramps because we, we all have to fit on this floor. And literally the last year that they canceled, we were going to build Moto and BMX on the same bla- like platform. It was going to be like intertwined because they needed more space for this concert thing they were trying to do. But that was the year that COVID canceled everything. So I'm kind of glad it got canceled. <laughs> Actually, it was going to be. I was so scared, man. It was going to be a nightmare. Like, I know I said we threw Hail Marys, but, like, to make this all fit, for motocross to, like, fit in with BMX and have everything line up perfectly and just, like, in a quick eight, like, an eight-day turnover to do all that and make it all perfect, it was, we would have, I probably would have lost my shit on that one.
1: Yeah, that's got to be so tough. Like, I watch a ton of Supercross, and I just think, like, they have to frickin' bring all this dirt into the stadiums, build these tracks, and then tear it all down, like, in, like, no time.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, I don't, I don't, you know, I mean, I would, I would definitely do X games again if they had us back, you know, I'm not going to turn anything like that down, but I really do like, I don't really like miss the stress of that whole scene, like showing up to like a session, like a set of woods, like, and just building trail, like, even if it's just cross country mountain bike trail, like I just put my headphones in, I'm just in the woods all day. I'm like, I leave in a good mood. I'm like, this is, this is all right. I'm into it.
1: Yeah, now and we brought it up early on, but we didn't haven't talked about it really a whole lot. You're a PTBA member now, and so how has that kind of been in terms of like running your business and like I think you've also built in Virginia? You've built it you've built in a lot of places.
0: Yeah, a bunch of different countries and yeah. So so like yeah, the PTBA stuff's cool because like people are getting our info from their site. So it's basically like an extra, you know, it's like own it's like having a billboard on the highway. Like it's just like people are going there because they're not a lot of the times like townships or counties or whatever, if they're putting a bid out, like they're not, they don't necessarily know even how to go about hiring a trail builder. So they'll like Google that and then, you know, or or someone will tell them like, here, check out this website. And then they'll have this like laundry list of like, you know, 100 builders or how many people are on there. And it's like, oh, okay. And then you can see which state they're in. Like you can literally click on the state on the map and like pick what state you're in and then all those builders will pop up. So. It's definitely a great resource. Like, I don't, I don't regret it one bit. Like, and there, everyone's been really cool. Like, I mean, I've only been a member. I was a member before. We had a separate company called Dirt Sculpt Parks and I had a business partner, but it didn't really work out. So we were a member then. Then once that business like dissolved, then I couldn't still be a member through. Like, it, I didn't automatically transfer over. So I had to like wait, and then I had to like redo it through Dirt Sculpt. Even though Dirt Sculpt was like. Primarily the resume that we were using to get the entry anyway. Uh, I had to wait until all that business partner and uh, all that other stuff got taken care of to rejoin. What year was that that you rejoined? Um, I think it was 2020. Yeah, because our first, our first PTBA meeting was the Zoom.
1: Oh, I gotcha. Yeah. That year was when Bentonville was supposed to happen.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And
1: I was actually in Bentonville the week of like the that everyone was announcing the COVID shutdowns, which was the week before the PTBA conference. And I actually did a bunch of podcasts down there. And one of them was with, with Gary Vernon.
0: Oh, that's funny.
1: And Gary, you know, I don't know if you know Gary, but he's the guy. He's like the wizard. We jokingly call him the Wizard of odds because he's the guy behind the uh-huh. curtain working for yeah, yeah. Walton's, like coordinating uh, yeah.
0: all this i i i met him at well, i didn't meet him personally but i saw he spoke at that yeah when i was there
1: yeah so we like we did a recording and he's like after this i gotta go pick up my daughter from college because they're shutting the dorms down we were there for a family vacation because we used to we used to do family vacations to bentonville because why wouldn't you i mean it's warmer than yeah, wisconsin yeah. and my Tons ben, of stuff to ride. six-year-old could go ride whatever You know, yeah, totally. You know, she started out riding there on her push bike when she was like four or three or something. Yeah, you know, and so, but yeah, I totally remember that how that all happened, and they finally pulled it off here and last year in twenty twenty two that everything came back together.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, so sixteen and seventeen, I think we were members with Dirt Sculpt Parks, and then eighteen we canceled everything with that, and then. I kind of was like getting my, you know, getting my footing getting everything back up in order, like how I had it originally with just Dirt Sculpt. And then 19, I, I applied and then I was accepted in like the 2020 year. But yeah, Dirt Sculpt never went anywhere. We just made Dirt Sculpt the primary event company. And then Dirt Sculpt Parks was like, obviously the parks, all permanent stuff. So that's how we split it up without having to start from scratch. Cause like I didn't he want my partner wanted me to just give him half of my company which I didn't want to do and he didn't want to buy in either and uh I was like well I'm not starting over I didn't want to come up with some random name and then like feel like I'm like a brand new company cuz I already had like you know I think we're like 14 years in business as as like a business let alone all the experience prior to that but yeah I was like not trying to be like hey we're like so and so trail building company and like, people are like, who? Like, here's our resume. It's like, how do you have this resume if you're like brand new? So Dirt Sculpt Parks kind of made sense because in, in theory, everyone was just like, oh, you're hiring Dirt Sculpt. Because like, we had, you know, we did have a name. So like, you know, the, the parks part was more like paperwork than, than anything. So
1: it reminds me of like the, the trail building company formerly known as.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, even the website, we had, we shared the website. You know, we just had the event portion and we had the permanent like park portion you know or trail portion so but but it all looked fluid it didn't look like it was two companies it wasn't supposed to either yeah. christian was just like he was an en- he worked for an engineering firm and did park planning and at the time we were getting we were getting you know obviously into the permanent stuff and that wasn't really my realm obviously the building side of it was no problem but the like just the logistical side of it it, there's just way more involved than just meeting up with like someone from X games and having a couple of meetings and just going, going ham. But now like doing this, all this like, you know, city work and like township stuff. There's this, you, you, you need someone to handle all that. And I was like, this guy seemed like the right fit, but it, it just didn't work out, but we're, we're still friends and uh, yeah, it's all cool.
1: Yeah. And you're still building. Cause you know, obviously oh, Potter yeah. Ridge is is a huge project that you just took on that we talked about and Yeah. Did you do port jervis under the the previous one, or is that a newer project?
0: No, Port Jervis was nineteen, so port Jervis was a hundred percent awesome yeah, yeah. the only thing we really did uh under parks was um the Chicago park the oh. south Chicago park big marsh that was yeah boom yeah big marsh, and that was part of dirt skull parks, and then we did the Raystown lake skills park uh under that and then there was, and then we had that Virginia trail project that was down in state uh washington uh george washington national forest that was also dirt skull parks but again i mean all that really was was just some paperwork and then we had a guy in the office But it was all the same builders and and we were you know same 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 shit
1: different smell <laughs> you're doing doing exactly what you're doing now
0: yeah exactly but uh but yeah the, like i like i said before i love uh you know and, and i love doing the trail work and like i love doing all the the parks and like just meeting people and like just seeing like just people getting stoked on it i mean like even my own kids like i they're my best test riders because like you know the city will be like hey is this going to be safe i'm like well he's he's six and he's nine and he just he, he didn't go down so he's, he's fine <laughs> so
1: yeah, I have joked before that like there's other things in life that are more dangerous like monkey bars
0: oh god i love monkey bars but only because of the danger
1: <laughs> exactly
0: you know, you know, it's one of my biggest my one of my most favorite uh, quotes I use when I go to like a parks meeting. And like, you know, you, you have like the people that are in the group that are like, we need a bike park in our town or we want trails or we want a pump track or whatever. And then you have like the people that are like on the board and then you have like the naysayers in the group. And they're just like, you know, what about what if they fall? What if they get hurt? And I'm always just like, all right, guys, I'm like, here, here, here give me, let's give you a perfect example. I'm like, OK, I'm like how many here, how many people here ride bikes? And like people raise their hands. I'm like, okay. And then I was like, how many people that ride bikes have had a baseball thrown at their face while they're riding? And they're like, what? I'm like, okay. So when I played baseball as a kid, baseball's at me the whole time. That never happens at a pump track. Like we get it. I'm like, yeah, as long as you're not getting a baseball thrown at your head, you should be fine. And it literally like half the crowd cracks up. The other half's like, get this guy out of here <laughs> but like it, it makes sense because you really have to paint the picture where you're like listen like i i explained i'm like these people riding are riding at their own ability like if they fall it's because they aren't at that level yet or you know they you know you had an accident it does happen i'm not saying it doesn't but like you're if you're staying there with a baseball bat and there's a kid 50 feet or 60 feet away, and he's throwing a ball at you at full speed, you're relying on that. He's not going to hit you in the face with that bat with that ball. I'm like, you're not in any control besides getting out of the way or making or hitting the ball. Like that's it. But you have the uh, the risk factor is way higher than you driving, riding around a berm on a bike and going over some rollers. You might fall over or scrape your knee or whatever. I'm like, yeah, that that could happen. But like, You're in control of it the whole time. So it's really up to the individual how they want to make their experience happen. And like, it it literally, it changes their minds. It really does. It actually works as crazy as it sounds. When I first start saying it, they're like, what are are you
1: talking about? It's so true. And these meetings happen. You just have to paint the picture. Across the country. These meetings happen like every week, probably. Right. Oh, I'm sure. And there's always, and I've said this for, I don't even know, ever since I've been in advocacy for mountain biking, but. Like there is people that are just against stuff to be against yeah, stuff. It doesn't even, doesn't it. even matter.
0: They're going to be against
1: it what, for whatever reason that they fabricate in their brain and you're not going to mm-hmm. change their mind, you know, but they definitely yeah. shouldn't be steering the ship of what the majority should be able to consume or in terms of like enjoyment. Oh yeah. I
0: mean, we just did that pay pump track in, at Penn forest. It's a really nice park. It's on top of the mountain. It's like a flatter area, but it's like, it's like, it's actually elevation. I think it's like 1500 feet soccer fields. So this was at one point just solid woods. So now the whole place is like deforest, you know, soccer fields, basketball court, uh, baseball fields. Um, And then there's just like a, a walking path that's wooded the whole way around like a gravel trail, but it's like, you know, you could drive a pickup truck on it. That's how wide it is. So there's a little corner of woods that we took and we like cut the trees out to make it like suit the pump track. So we left all the big trees, like nothing. I think we left everything over six inches. So we cut the saplings and everything small and made the pump track work through the trees. It's, it's a beautiful pump track. Like I'm very proud of it. We mulched right up to the edge of the asphalt. So it's like wooded mulch and blacktop and it all just fits. Like I'll, I'll send you some, some videos of it then. But uh, long story short, like, these uh, people were walking up to us like what, like I've, I've never like, I was like, man, I was like, you, who who are you that you can just talk, go up to people and yell at them like that. These older people were just like, you're destroying the forest here. And I'm like, you do realize that that soccer field was all trees like only four years ago. Right. Like, you know, pointing to it. And they're just like, you're destroying. What is this mess? What is this mess? You're going to have cops here. I'm like, I'm like, what, because of murder? And they're like, what? No, because of the fights that all the kids on this track are going to be in. I'm like, no, they're probably not going to fight. I mean, I was getting yelled at by people. And I'm just like, it's like so weird. I'm like, do you yell at all contractors that are working like in places? Like, I'm like, no, I don't think so.
1: Yeah, I, yeah, I, it, I totally understand. <laughs> it's weird. I must have
0: like the dumbest smile because I'm just sitting there smiling. Well, they're screaming in my face and I'm just like, all right, well, it's good to talk. <laughs> like uh, if anything, we, we like, I mean the, the woods that we cut, it was so, it was so like, they were so, the trees are all small. Like we just, ke- and we kept all the mature ones and we actually, we even like tried to make sure like the bigger ones, we didn't even like pave over the root system. Like we tried to go like farther out. And, well, and uh, for good I reason, mean, you know, cause you so- don't
1: want the roots bumping up the asphalt too.
0: Well, yeah, that, that as well. But even just so they don't like, you know, stress out and die. But yeah, no, I mean, we're, everyone's really happy with it. And even, and it was kind of funny once you put the mulch down, it was almost like you just like, it was like you sprinkled gold on it. They're like, the same people were coming by like, oh, the black asphalt really, or uh, black mulch looks beautiful on there. (laughs) Because we had like, I bought the like dyed stuff that would like look like real like kind of nice. And oh man, it was hilarious how quickly it turned into landscape. And literally a week prior, they were just like saying it was a mess and we we're destroying the place and oh yeah. Yep. Great. Good times.
1: That's a good lesson of not, you know, that you don't need to stop doing what you're doing because somebody thinks it's wrong when you know it's oh, not wrong.
0: I, exactly. Yeah. I would never do that.
1: That lesson needs to be told over and over again, just as a reminder to us.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and one of the other things she said was we need to start install putting things in this park for older people and i'm like you have this nice walking path that you use every day i see out here every day like i go what else do you want i'm like if you want more stuff like tell the town like yeah i go i didn't i'm not just doing this for fun i'm like i want won a bid and like they they chose this i mean I i was involved with the project from from the start but you know just like giving them information on what it was you know just filling them in on what it what what it was and what it was entailed but i mean overall like all i did was just give them information i didn't like tell them this is what they needed
1: yeah but she acted like i was
0: out there like you know just like coming into some park and just being like it's all mine now
1: (laughs) hell yeah it is and pretty soon it's gonna be everybody's
0: exactly but uh but yeah no it's awesome man it's uh definitely it's it's sweet and uh we did a bunch of trail at this blue marsh lake and man that that's one of the jobs that like it's like the gift that keeps on giving like even like you know people that are out there hiking are like oh my god even though we know these are like mountain bike trails these are the most fun hiking trails like you you hit every vantage point of the views of the lake and just even the trees that you chose to go near like is just all visually pleasing like you know these are just people that are like that would just randomly walk the border trail around the lake, you know, It's just kind of like a dirt road essentially. And now they're using all the, you know, the 15 miles or whatever it is we put in there in the last five years. And they're just like, yeah, they're like, they, they're hooked. They can't stop. They're like, we, we do this every week. Now we have our dog and they're like, whatever you're doing, just keep it up. I'm like, all right, thank you. But it's cool. Cause like, you know, typically, you know, mountain bikers are going to be stoked cause it's more trail, but like, you know, these people are like, you know, not, they're n- not your normal, like, trail hikers are more like probably like walking path people like older folk and they're walking their dog and they're like man we've been doing each loop that you did in the last couple of months and we keep adding on and i'm like oh this is great so
1: yeah and you don't even know what kind of stuff like that can come about until you till you put it in and it's awesome to see those stories. oh yeah
0: yeah i mean we had a couple hunters like try to bully us but they're crazy you man. know basically like they're just like you know, saying that it was their land and stuff. I'm like, no, the Army Corps Engineer owns this land. Like, this is, it's a, it's a public park, man. Like, just because, like, because the, the woods were very, like, thick and, like, hard to hide, you know, you basically have to, like, bushwhack. So they had it to themselves because no one, no no regular person is just going to bushwhack through the woods for fun unless they're trying to, like, do something. And, you know, they they all had their hunting stands, and I'm, like, cutting trail, and I'm, like, seeing these hunting stands and they're not even supposed to leave them up when hunting season's not happening. And like, they, they start getting in trouble because they were like, you know, the Army Corps is like, find, seeing them, they're like, they're they're taking them down. Those guys are like, you're ruining our hunting spot. I'm like, I was just hired by the, by the bike group and the Army Corps, like, you know, whatever, man. Deal with it, talk to them about it. Well, Dirt Sculpt Dave.
1: Yeah. You got any words of wisdom you want to leave us with before we shut this one down?
0: Oh yeah, for sure. Don't stop believing.
1: <laughs> Isn't that the journey song? Is that journey? I think
0: so. <laughs> but yeah, no, like kind of like what we, I only reason I said that was just because of like what we were kind of just talking about. Like there's so many naysayers and just uh man like this, like what we're doing is like, this is going to be the norm. Like instead of this, like every town Not there's anything wrong with like any team sports, but like every town having, you know, just automatic baseball field or automatic basketball court or automatic football field, and then, like, the mountain bike trail or park is, like, such a, like, mind-blowing, like, wait, you want what? And, like, it takes six years for it to get built or five years. Like, it just needs to be, like, okay, so we're doing paved pump track, ba- basketball court. But You know, it just needs to be on that list of these are this – is this is just going into this park because that's what goes into all parks now. And I think that being said, I mean, one, it'll be great for, you know, the professional trail building industry – not just pump tracks, but you know, I'm saying like in general, like bike parks or trail, but like, yeah, I mean, people want to, I mean, you saw what happened with COVID. Like you couldn't even get a mountain bike. If you tried, I drove across country. I can't, I built a bike park in Haley, Idaho. I drove across country trying to find one for my son's birthday. And luckily clay Harper's buddy had a Kona stinky in his garage that his daughter just like, I guess was done with or whatever. And I luckily found a bike because I could not like the whole way, home. I was like on Facebook marketplace looking for a mountain bike for them And there was just none available or they were like three grand for like a, you know, a 12 year old bike. And uh, yeah, people want to get outside and they want to enjoy the wilderness and enjoy stuff. People need to escape.
1: You know, I mean, that's really what we're doing here. People use, I mean, just like people scroll on, on their, on their devices. It's a, it's a, it's a version of escapism and, you know, people want to escape and kind of get into their into their own zone. That's not the reality of work and other life stressors. And this is the perfect way of doing it.
0: Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, you know, like I was saying about the even like earlier, like about the amount of hikers at blue marsh that were like, they were just so stoked on everything we were doing. And that was cool because like technically that, that wasn't even the user group we were trying to please, but they, they were as pleased or maybe even more than, you know, the amount of like people that were hiking that came up to me, I was kind of blown away by it. I kind of thought they were going to be like, "Oh, these are all mountain bike trails, huh?" And they're all—they they aren't. They're like multi-use, but yeah, like maybe bike you know, optimized slightly. Yeah, but I mean, there it's like fifty-fifty. I feel like riding the hiker out there. It's like there's so many people out walking, so it's so cool.
1: And they don't kill each other. No, as far Crazy. as I know. Yeah,
0: it's so weird how it like interacts and uh, positive in a positive light. Anyhow, except for the hunters, he, he's he's hiding behind the tree. He's going to take us out. <laughs> yeah
1: only in October though.
0: Yeah. Yeah. One time a year, your ass is mine. Yep. Well, Dave, that's words lived by.
1: I'm really, I'm super happy that we were able to connect in that day that uh, Josh brought us together. Like literally, yeah, was that's like, awesome, man. I got like a message, a message on Instagram. Like I was I just woken up and I'm like looking at thing and I'm like, huh. And then I started looking at the links you sent and I'm like, this is pretty rad, you know? And here we are.
0: Yeah, we're just trying to do it, you know, our own style and coming from a BMX background. And I feel like mountain biking is kind of swinging that way a little bit these days anyway. So I feel like my age and like my just like, like I'm definitely not at the riding level like BMX wise I used to be. And it's nice to be on a squishy bike to hit some jumps and it's a little bit feels a little safer, a little more controlled. And uh, yeah, I feel like my... Old like my dirt knowledge and b- jump building knowledge is transferring nicely into this new like mountain bike flow trail world. And I really hope to just keep building more of that because I feel like that's that's what everyone wants to hit. They want to get a little air and have some fun.
1: Yeah, for sure. So well, I'm gonna wrap this one up. I really appreciate you taking yeah. time out of your day and and uh yeah, no worries. connecting and sharing your stories with the masses. Yeah, no doubt, man. I'm glad this was fun. Thank you for listening. Links for the various topics discussed on the show can be found in the show notes. If you like what you have heard, please take the time to share these shows with others. Sharing these shows will help create awareness of both the guests who have taken the time to be on the show and the podcast series itself. Also, if you are new to the Trail Effect podcast, check out our ever-expanding library of episodes. Please don't forget to leave a rating and review if you consume this podcast at Apple Podcasts or Spotify, as this is one of the best ways to show your support for the Trail Effect podcast. Also, don't forget to check out Cooley Creative at dudejustsendit.com. I'd like to thank all of the listeners who have signed up to be supporters of Trail Effect through Patreon. These actions mean a lot to me. With that, the value for value concept is something that has caught my attention. If you find value in the Trail Effect podcast, you now have a way to provide value for that value via Patreon for Trail Effect. For additional ways to support the Trail Effect podcast, check out the partnerships and affiliates link on the Trail Effect website, where you will find links to Cattle Mountain Apparel, Worldwide Cyclery, and Trail One Components. By using the affiliate links found at www.TrailFactPodcast.com, a small commission will come back to the podcast, which helps keep the show going. This podcast has been edited and produced by Evolution Trail Services. Thank you again for listening.